You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Kings podcast Monday edition, where we make your least favorite day of the week all the better. My name is Matt George. Yes, indeed, you are listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, your daily home for Kings news, stories, commentary, updates. It's all right here for you on the Locked On Kings podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can listen to daily podcasts for every single team in the NBA. You can also listen to Locked On NBA, which covers the entire league. If you're a football fan, Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL team-specific podcast locked on MLB as well as baseball season is coming up. This podcast network is off the hook and you are in the right place. Again, my name is Matt George. I am a producer, uh, on-air host, a online writer and reporter for Sports 1140 KHDK. That is the flagship radio station of the Sacramento Kings right here in Sacramento, California. And I have the pleasure of bringing you another week of Locked on Kings podcast. This week's a little bit different, kind of a coin flip. My co-host, uh, Charles T. Hamilton, we host every other week and, and we uh, flip-flop back and forth taking on the duties of this Locked on Kings podcast. He has missed the past couple of weeks. He has been out having uh, having a little bit of a procedure. He is okay. He is recovering quick and there is a chance, there is a chance he can be cleared and good to go. Let's just say he's probable for Wednesday on. So until then, you are stuck with me. I hope that's a good thing. I've really enjoyed being with you every single day over these last two weeks. Boy, have we covered a lot. We've been up and down, highs and lows, good scores, bad topics. We spent Friday basically uh, not talking basketball much at all and more talking about all of the uh, the protesting that was going on and the bigger than basketball uh, that happened outside the Golden One Center. Uh, and we're not going to spend any more time on that other than uh, for those who did listen to that podcast, I got a lot of great feedback on that, both good and bad. I understand your passion on the subject no matter what side you're on. I appreciate you listening and taking the time and allowing uh, this platform to go in a different direction and allowing us to really talk about what ended up being an uncomfortable uh, but overall very, very good night, I believe, for the Sacramento Kings. They built on that over the weekend. They partnered with the Boston Celtics, who they played this weekend, and uh, had a little video tribute to uh, Stephen Clark and and all of everything. We're not going to talk about that other than it happened. You can go and check it out. Uh, just look it up online. You can see the little video package that they put together. But once again, the Sacramento Kings uh, show their class of an organization. They keep taking the right steps forward, doing the right thing, and uh, uh, I, I appreciate and I applaud how they have handled this whole situation because it can't have been uh, easy. We have a lot to fit in here. We are going to touch base on that Boston Celtics game. We'll play a little bit of uh, some highlights from that. I'll touch on it really, really briefly because we really don't have time for that. We are going to talk about the final eight games of the season and then I got a bunch of questions over the weekend, including something that I talked about from Ivan, uh, an email that I received last week. He's an Australian listener, and I'm very humbled to have an international audience listening to this podcast, but Ivan sent this great email. He asked a couple of questions, but one in particular I wanted to address. Also, a couple of questions I got on Twitter as well in regards to uh, to free agency and, and things like that, so we will touch base on that at the end of the podcast, and I promise we will get to that, but let's not waste any more time. How about we dive right into the Sacramento Kings-Boston Celtics game? Again, we're not going to spend too much time on this, but if you miss the game and want to get a good rundown of the ebbs and flows of it and how it went. Why don't you listen to the G-Man? This is Gary Gerald, the play-by-play radio broadcaster of the Sacramento Kings, and some highlights from his call of the Kings' loss to the Boston Celtics this weekend. Take a listen. 
11 on the shot clock. Back outside to Bogey. Splits defenders. Goes to the rack and rips it with a right hand. Not often that you see Bogdanovich. And he looked to the bench and he gave it the Vince Carter double handlebar salute. I love that from Bogdanovich. He has such a wry sense of humor. Kings looking for the lead. Fox accelerates, finds the seam. Goes for a drive, two-hand power jam. We've seen him stick it with one. We've never seen him throw one down with two as emphatically as he just did. And that, without question, is your Berko Redwood moment of the game. Kings regain the lead at 18-17. Buddy Heald, who just checked in, gets it. Goes end to end. Double clutch, lean in. Glass, good. 13-1 run, Sacramento. And a six-point advantage for the Kings at 23 to 17, two minutes to go in the opening quarter. Nice high screen set by Monroe. Gets a return pass from Larkin. Broken up by the Kings. Grabbed by Collie Stein. Leads it ahead. But a heel chase to the rim. He's got the layup. That's a nice bounce pass ahead from Willie Collie Stein for the assist. Heald has eight. Heald for three on the left angle. Scores another one. But a heel knocks down the triple. So Buddy's the first of the Kings to get in double digits. He has 11 points. Bogdanovich puts it in play to heel, bounces to the right elbow to Collie Stein, back to Buddy, wide open, straight away for three, and he gets another one. Oh, Yeager liked that. He liked that a lot. Nice screen set by Willie Collie Stein, and Buddy, there wasn't a defender within maybe 10 feet of him, and he hits the three ball to make it 44 36. Dribble alive, feeds inside to Collie Stein, wraparound pass to Scal, kicks to the corner. Fox is uncovered for three, and he hits it. How about the unselfish play there and the good ball movement on the part of the Young Kings to make it 53-45. Three-point fake by Rozier, circles, frees up, launches for three, and scores another one. Terry Rozier, whose three-point career high came earlier this season with six, now has six in this game, and Boston has just regained the lead 65-64 as the Kings take timeout. Here comes Tatum on the run for the Celtics. A drive and a kick to Brown. Back out to Rozier. Uncovered. He hits another. That's a career high. Seven three-pointers for Terry Rozier. He has 23 points. The Kings have not been able to stop him. And Boston has taken a two-point lead. Plenty of time on the possession. Rolls left. Skids to a stop and throws it right to Rozier. Oh, my. Lead out pass to Brown. Got an easy flush. Whole different ball game in this second half. It's now 72 to 66 at the midpoint of the third quarter. Boston has opened up a six point lead. Here's Mason driving, finds a seam up and down scoop. He's got the bucket and this game is tied. Frank Mason with a good aggressive take that time. Once he got that initial step from the free throw line, he had almost clear sailing to the rim. Tied now at 80 to Monroe, right back to Terry. Has it knocked away by Bogey. They both pounce, and it's saved by Rozier at midcourt off the deflection. He rolls left, shoots a three, scores another three. His eighth three-pointer of the afternoon. 28 points for Terry Rozier, and Boston leads at 85-82. Rozier gets the screen from Baines, gets to the free-throw line, pulls up, 15-footer, score another one. A career-high 33 points for Terry Rozier, and Boston now leads by eight at 94 to 86. That equals their biggest lead of the afternoon. Horford steps back, he'll shoot the three. He scores the three. Biggest lead of the ball game for the Boston Celtics. They're on top by 11. Kings take timeout, 3.47 to go. 
Ultimately, the Sacramento Kings would fall short. A very lackluster second half. We'll talk about that. But the final score, uh, the Kings lose to the Boston Celtics 104-93. to Let's present the good news first. You had five players in double-digit scoring. Once again, Buddy Heald led the team in scoring, which is a very, very positive sign. I'm very excited to see Buddy being more aggressive offensively and, and finishing strong uh, to this season. He had 21 points. Scalabissier and Willie Cauley-Stein, the big men, cont- uh, each had 14. Frank Mason, 12 off the bench. De'Aaron Fox got off to a great start with 11. Uh, kind of peter off after that. The bad news is uh, the bad quarters once again strike, except this time it was a bad second half. The Sacramento Kings scored 60 points in the first half. We're feeling pretty good. And then only scored 33 in the second half. They scored the same amount of points in the second half and the third and fourth quarter combined that they did in all of the second quarter. That's how bad the second half was for the Sacramento Kings. They tried to live by the three-point shot. Instead, they died. They went 7 of 26, shot 26% uh, from deep. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this team trying to shoot uh, from the outside. Sometimes the ball just will not drop. But we know this team, for much of this season, has been in the top tier of three-point shooting. So I'm okay with them trying for it last night. Just or That game just wasn't uh, their game. Young team positives to take away from that, though. There were a couple positives for the uh, for the Kings to take away. And really from the second half of the season in general, what do we see a lot of young teams struggle with? It's taking care of the basketball, right? Well, the Kings are actually in the top half of the league in, in preventing uh, turning the ball over, which I think is an extreme positive uh, and uh, uh, props to their young guards, Bogdan- uh, Bogdanovich, also uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Frank Mason, they all do a good job taking care of the basketball. They did the same thing against Boston. Also, they're doing a better job of getting to the line. Remember at the beginning of the season, they were really struggling to get to the line. They were in single digits for most of those games, only got to the line 10 times, went 10 of 10 in that loss to the Boston Celtics. But they have been more aggressive. The uh, the calls are starting to come inside and you, you're appreciating that now the Kings are more, now that they're relying more on the outside game, it's starting to open up the inside and starting to draw more whistles and draw more fouls a little bit more. Uh, so young team positives, those are two positives for me, not just from this game, but from the second half of the season overall. We have reached the home stretch of the season. For many, that is a good thing. They're ready for the summer to come and for the season to end. And for many of us that call ourselves diehard Kings fans and diehard basketball fans, that means the long, dreaded months of basketball this summer are coming all too quickly. Eight games remaining for your Sacramento Kings. And uh, we're going to run through those final eight games. And I'm going to tell you why realistically I could see the Kings going five and three over these final eight. And I'm not just trying to be optimistic. Let's look at these final games for these Sacramento Kings. It begins tomorrow night as the Kings host the Dallas Mavericks inside the Golden One Center. Then they have the Indiana Pacers coming in here on Thursday. That is a game I expect them to lose. The Pacers have been a surprise team uh, this year. They are currently battling with multiple different teams in the Eastern Conference to try and get the best uh, position they can, the best seed that they can in this upcoming uh, playoff run for them. Then the Kings host the shorthanded Golden State Warriors this weekend on Saturday. I say shorthanded because they are now going to be without Steph Curry probably through the opening round of the playoffs. We're still waiting to find out when Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and uh, Draymond Green will be returning. So we don't know yet what kind of Golden State Warriors team will be playing that night, but it's at home. The Kings are 2-1 and one against the Warriors this year. That is honestly a game I could see the Kings getting. The Kings are also in L.A. on Sunday, the very next night. They are taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. Always good to see those two teams uh, go to war. Then the Kings have the Phoenix Suns back 
on uh, Tuesday in Phoenix. Also have the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis on Friday, April 6th. And then they wrap up the season against two very, very good teams, the San Antonio Spurs on Monday the 9th. And then they end their season the same way they started it, hosting the Rockets inside of the Golden 1 Center. I said I realistically could see the Kings going 5-3 and three in those eight games. I'll tell you the five wins I see in just a second, but let me tell you this. The Sacramento Kings are 24-50 and 50 right now. They're 12th in the Western Conference. There's three teams below them. The Dallas Mavericks, the Phoenix Suns, and the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Kings play all three of those teams in these final eight games. There's three wins right now. I think there, I think the Kings win all three. Why? Because I think all three are trying as hard as they can to lose, and the Kings are not. So, Kings are going to beat the Mavericks tomorrow night. Kings are going to beat the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix on the 3rd of April. And then Kings are going to beat the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis on the 6th of April. I'm calling that right now. The Kings will win those three games. So where are the other two wins coming from? Like I said, I think they're losing to the Indiana Pacers when they come here to Sacramento. But the very next night, I'm sorry, on Saturday night, the 31st, I think the Sacramento Kings are beating the Golden State Warriors. I do. The Kings have been the better team when they face the Warriors this year. Granted, they've faced only the shorthanded Warriors this year, and lo and behold, the Kings are facing the shorthanded Warriors again on Saturday. I think they will beat the Warriors here in Sacramento. It would be a good feeling for Kings fans to go. The, the arena is going to be off the hook. It's going to be half full with Warriors fans like it always is. Should be a fun atmosphere, and I expect the Kings to show up and win that game. So again, that's my win number four. And then out of the final three games, the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Rockets, I know for sure the Kings are losing to the Rockets. So it's between the Lakers and the Spurs. Which one of those two games do I think the Kings are going to win? It's the Lakers. I think the Sacramento Kings can compete with the Los Angeles Lakers. It's been a while since both these teams have played, and I think the Kings honestly can square up and go toe-to-toe with this Los Angeles Lakers team. Last time these two teams matched up was in Sacramento, where the Lakers won 113-108 on the 24th. That game was close. Uh, With the way the Kings are playing right now, with the Lakers winding their season down, both teams are trying to win as much as possible, even though both teams are out of the playoffs. But uh, I think that's my sneaky one. I think the Sacramento Kings will beat the Los Angeles Lakers on the 1st of April, and uh, it would be great to see the Kings be able to knock off their rival and wrap up the year with a win in Los Angeles, again, I think they're losing to the Rockets, and I, or I definitely know they're losing to the Rockets, and I think they're losing to the San Antonio Spurs. Actually, the Rockets might be interesting, honestly. It shouldn't be set in stone because they're going to be heading into the playoffs that they've already clinched. So maybe James Harden doesn't play in that game, or maybe he only plays a limited amount of minutes in Sacramento. We'll have to wait and see uh, for that one. But as of right now, looking at that on paper, I think it's safe to assume the Kings will lose that game to the Rockets. But 5-3 and three over the final eight games of the season, I could definitely see it happening. I would love to see it happen bring a lot of good positive momentum into the end of the season and into the summer months. The Sacramento Kings are currently in the seventh spot of draft lottery percentage, if you care about that. So really, I'll pose the question to you. Would you rather see the Kings end 5-3 and three and go on a uh, nice little winning push and, and have a good feeling going into the offseason? Or would you rather see them lose more of these final eight games and try and get themselves into a better percentage spot for the lottery? You know my feeling on tanking. I'm not going to uh, get into that anymore because... We all know and we all can agree the Sacramento Kings are not going to try and tank in these games. That doesn't mean they're not going to lose the majority of them. That just means they're not going to try to lose. Let me put this into perspective. Just a little nugget for you, uh, for those who would rather have the Kings lose. Last year, the Kings finished with the eighth best chance of the number one overall pick in the eighth spot of draft lottery percentage. 
Had they not had to swap their draft picks with the Philadelphia uh, Philadelphia 76ers, they would have picked third, a.k.a. their pick that was eighth slid all the way to third. That's the power of the draft lottery for you. The Kings are in seventh right now. I'm not saying that's going to happen again. I'm not saying you should expect that to happen, but the point is there is no guarantee that finishing in fifth or sixth in percentage is going to be better than finishing seventh or eighth or ninth. So just just food for thought. Think about that. I would rather the Kings finish five and three and go into the offseason with more wins under their belt and ultimately uh, feeling good. I shared with you all on Friday that we have some international listeners to the Locked on Kings podcast. It's fantastic to learn about more Sacramento Kings fans that have branched out around the world. I know we have a couple of fans, diehard fans from Brazil. We have a diehard fan, Danny, from England, who's actually come here to Sacramento to watch some games inside the Golden One Center. And now I learned of Ivan from Australia. He sent me a fantastic email. And Ivan, I know you're listening. Thank you so much, my friend, for not just listening to this podcast and taking the time to speak with me, but also for being a fan of this organization, despite being so many thousands of miles away. It's so awesome. And I can speak for the entire Sacramento Kings fan base when I say you are welcome and you are just as much of a fan here for this team as if you would if you lived in Sacramento. So thank you again for listening, and thank you for being a supporter or a loyal supporter of the Sacramento Kings fan base. Yes, I'm biased, but this is the number one fan base in all professional sports, especially in the NBA, and it's because of guys like you, Ivan. So again, thank you so much uh, for listening to the podcast. He sent me a lot of uh, great takes, uh, his input from some of the conversations that we've had here on the Locked on Kings podcast. And then he asked an interesting question that I wanted to address. He asked... If I thought that Vlade Divac was a good general manager, and I'm he didn't ask this, but I'm also going to throw in right, the right general manager for this team, because I think both are very different. Let me answer that uh, in the best way possible that I can. Is Vlade a good general manager? We don't know yet. We honestly don't. I'll, I'll weigh through both of his pros and cons, but let's start with the cons. Vlade does not have experience running an NBA team. Vlade has shown his inadequacies when it comes to uh, the business side of things, especially the financial side of things. It's clear he doesn't really run that. He has a lot of his staff uh, that work for him, and ultimately he approves or disapproves everything along with owner Vivek Ranadive. Um, He has shown a number of times to maybe allow too much information to get out, whether it was himself saying things in in an interview like after trading DeMarcus Cousins saying that he had a better deal a couple days ago. Um, He has also shown that he can make bad judgment calls when it comes to draft picks. Jorgis Papianis is a, a perfect example of that. However, he has done a lot of good things as well, including a fantastic trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. He and the Kings absolutely fleeced the Phoenix Suns in that trade. The Suns moved up, got Marquise Chris. We've seen how that's uh, played out, and every single general manager in the league would tell you right now, and if they didn't, they'd be lying. They would rather have Bogdan Bogdanovich on their roster than Marquise Chris. Every single general manager would. And for that, I think Vlade deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Also, he deserves a lot of credit for being the glue guy that he is that a lot of people don't necessarily pay attention to. Vlade, what was he known for when he played here in Sacramento other than flopping? He was known for being the guy, the glue guy that held this team together. And he is that guy right now for this front office for the Sacramento Kings. I've seen it. I've seen him come into the locker rooms after games, interact with players, hold them together, uh, keep them 
uh, positive. He's shared his advice with big men. He spends a lot of t- uh, time with Willie Cauley-Stein. We know he spent a lot of time with DeMarcus Cousins as well when Cousins was here. So Vlade is a very hands-on, has a very hands-on approach to this organization, uh, which is good. Also, he did make a bad trade very at the very beginning of his time here in Sacramento, that trade to Philadelphia, which the Kings are still paying for. They don't have their draft pick uh, next year because of that uh, that trade, but ultimately he made that move because he was trying to open up free agent or money and, and space uh, to go and make uh, moves in free agency. Ultimately, we know that did not work out. Uh, but he he made a gamble early on. It failed. The Kings are still paying for it right now. I have a hard time holding that against Vlade, as I do have a hard time holding it against Vlade uh, for signings like George Hill. That, quite honestly, that's what the Kings have to do. They have to throw a lot of their money at middle of the road free agents, hope they work out, and if they don't, then they have to bite the bullet, try and trade them, or uh, just accept it, pay the contract, and move on. And that's what Vlade did with George Hill. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, but to answer your question, Ivan, and to those who are wondering my. Uh, my comments or my ideas and thoughts on Vlade, the general manager, I think he still has a lot to learn. Uh, I think this offseason is make or break for him. If he fails this offseason, he's done. And whether he lives up to his, I will step down if the Kings aren't good in this amount of time, or if Vivek uh, lets him go, it's all going to have to do with this summer. Vlade and the Kings cannot afford a bad Summer. They have to make a splash in free agency, and they have to. They don't have to hit a grand slam, but they have to hit at least a double in the draft. They can't make another bad pick in the draft this year simply because next year is all about wins and development in the right direction because they don't have a pick in 2019. So this is the year that you can make all your judgments about Vlade. The best I can tell you is, does he have my vote of confidence? Yes. Does he have a lot to work on? Absolutely. And I'm honestly, I'm cautiously optimistic, but very nervous when it comes to how this front office is going to approach this offseason. They have a chance to completely turn around. I mean, we saw how good of a summer they had last year and how the national media and fans uh, reacted to Vlade's moves last summer, whether it was uh, landing um, De'Aaron Fox in the draft, whether it was the signings that they made bringing in Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, even George Hill. Uh, We don't know what they're going to do. The Kings are with trying to get... uh, Garrett Temple to come back or Costa Kufos, but that has a lot of weight to it. Also, Harry Giles, he was the draft pick last year, and and that has a chance to become arguably Vlade's greatest achievement if Harry can live up to even an ounce of the uh, the hype that we've been hearing surrounding him uh, from this year. So that's another question mark. There's just too many question marks to give him an ultimate verbatim uh, grade. But what I can tell you is he does have my vote of confidence. Keep an eye on everything he does this summer because this is the make or break time for him. I also had a great question in regards to free agency from a, a friend of mine on Twitter. We go back and forth. I've talked a number of times. Alexander Newton, uh, he's a, a good listener of this show, also a lot of the work I do with KHDK. Uh, he asked some realistic guys for the Sacramento Kings to go after in free agency. Now, once the regular season wraps up and we approach free agency, I'm going to spend a whole hell of a lot more time on this. So I'm just going to throw out names. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I'm just going to throw out some names for the Kings to consider and be interested in. We all know that the big three, which is Aaron Gordon, and we're going to talk about Aaron Gordon in a second, Julius Randle, 
and Jabari Parker. Those are the big three names that we've heard floated around the Kings, whether it was from the voice of fans or from media members who would like uh, the three of them or one of the three of them to end up here in Sacramento. Those are the three that probably have the most weight to them. But I, uh, I went through and I found four more names that I think the Sacramento Kings should be interested in. The first is Wilson Chandler. Now, he has a player option for next season worth $12.8 million to play one more year with the Denver Nuggets. Should he choose to not exercise that player option and test free agency, that is a name that I think the Kings could do a lot of good pursuing. He's on the tail end of his career, so you don't have to throw a crap ton of money at him, but he helps fill a hole, which is that small forward position. Uh, He's a good, solid veteran leader, a good defender, also capable on the offensive end, can still run. Uh, Wilson Chandler is a guy that I would really, really like to see and I think could potentially be a good fit with the Sacramento Kings. Also, before I get to these other three names, let me also preface this with saying we don't know what the Kings are going to do yet in the draft, and free agency is going to have a lot to do with what the Kings do in the draft. If they go out and get a big man in the draft, maybe they'll hesitate trying to go out and make a splash in free agency to bring in another big. If they go out and draft a small forward or a guard that may stop them from going out and getting a small forward or a guard or spending a lot of money on a small forward or a guard in free agency we just don't know yet it all plays off of uh, each other I mentioned another small forward Trevor Ariza from the Rockets we know how big and how important he is to that Houston Rockets team that may win a championship this year I would not be surprised to see Houston try and make a run to bring him back I would not be surprised if he took less money to stay in Houston, but that's a guy I could see the Kings throwing a lot of money at another small forward that fits a hole for the Sacramento Kings, a guy that comes from a winning culture, uh, plays hard, has an attitude, good defender, also capable on offense. I would love the Kings to be active and in the conversation to land Trevor Ariza. This name is kind of wishful thinking on my point, uh, my part. He's on definitely on the tail end of his career. J.J. Redick, he signed a one-year $23 million deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. I think he's going to be 32 years old by the time next season starts. So J.J. Redick is going to be a... uh like I said, a wish list guy. We know the Kings are are pretty log jammed at the shooting guard position, but if you want a consistent three-point shooter that can help lead these young guards and, and, and teach them how to play the game the right way from the perimeter, J.J. Redick is that guy. He might command as big of a price tag as he got from Philadelphia, though, so you just don't know. And this final name I've been very, very interested in if the Kings don't end up trying to make a move for like an Aaron Gordon or drafting a big man, Derek Favors. He was paid $11.7 million with the Utah Jazz last year. I I could see him returning to Utah with how well they're playing. But Derek Favors, Favors, in my opinion, is a very underrated power forward in this league. He's getting better away from the basket. And I think the Sacramento Kings could really use Derek Favors, a guy like Derek Favors, on their roster and in their lineup. So those are some names I throw out. Again, I'm going to go into more detail into all these free agency targets and potential moves that the Kings can go in as we approach free agency and as we get out of this regular season. So don't worry about that. The final question, though, I got was from James Stinnett. I think that's how you pronounce your name, James. I apologize if that was wrong. Uh, He asked, quite simply, would you throw a max deal at Aaron Gordon? Yes. The answer is yes. Aaron Gordon is a good, solid, young power forward. He's also a restricted free agent, so the Kings are going to need to throw a lot of money at him that the Orlando Magic aren't going to want to match. I would love to see Aaron Gordon here in Sacramento. And the Kings, if they're going to want to get him, they're going to have to throw a max and a lot of money at him. You have the money to spend. You need a power forward. You need a young player that fits in with the regime and what you're trying to do. Aaron Gordon's your guy. Then again, we don't know how Harry Giles is going to play out, but honestly, I think the Kings would uh, would benefit a lot from throwing that kind of money 
at Aaron Gordon. So yes, James, to answer your question, yes, I would throw a max at Aaron Gordon. More free agency talk is coming as we approach the offseason. Any of your questions you want to send in, do it. At MadGeorgeKHDK, you can find me on Twitter. You can also answer uh, any of these questions that I have thrown out. Keep sending them in. I love I love them. I love to have that conversation, that discussion with you. Again, at MadGeorgeKHDK on Twitter. Or if you're not on social media, you can find me on Facebook, MadGeorge there. My profile picture is the one with the KHDK banner uh, in the back. I'm sitting at a table on my laptop with the headset on. Shouldn't be too hard to find me. There are a lot of Matt Georges out there, but none as ugly as me. And then you can reach me also on email if you're on or not on social media or want more of a private platform uh, at mgeorge, or sorry, it's mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com. Again, mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com. Send me your questions. Send me your takes. I want to hear them all. I love to have that conversation with you. Until tomorrow, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Kings podcast. We will preview Kings and Dallas Mavericks coming up here shortly for the Tuesday edition of the podcast. But until then, thank you so much for listening. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.